Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for this community. Um, thank you for the the people that you brought here, God. Like I've, I didn't expect everyone to turn out because of the snow, probably because I'm an optimist. Um, but God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for scum of the earth and for this verse that you've given to us, God. I thank you for the words that you've given Chris to bring to us, God. If um, there's anything that he is about to say that you don't want us to hear, please just make it fly out of his mind, God. Um, But open our ears to your word, to your instruction, your intent that you have for us tonight, God. Help us learn about you. Help us to learn and know you more through this word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to lower this. I'm a little shorter. Um, Hi. Hi, everybody. Um, So, yeah, I've known Steve for a minute. Um, We used to go to the same church together back in the day. Um, He's a good dude. So I'd like to thank the leadership here at SCUM for giving me the opportunity I'd like to thank everybody who's here, not just supporting me, but just you guys who are here all the time. You are faithful to this community. You are the scum of the earth community. Thank you for allowing me to be a vessel where God can give you some encouragement, because that's, I'm not really here to teach any deep theology tonight. I'm just here to encourage you more than anything else. And in the midst of it, if some awesome theology happens, right on. Um, so if you guys want to turn with me or flip with me, whatever version of Bible you have, to the book of John, chapter 15. And I'm just going to read these few verses, and then we'll get right into it. So I'll give you guys a minute or two. So <clears throat> this is... Uh, Jesus during his last supper after they ate the Passover and he's now sitting with his 11 closest friends telling them very important things and you know whenever somebody's about to die and they know it you really got to pay attention to what they're saying as they're getting ready to transition to the next life and so Jesus has some really important things to say to his followers and there's a lot of things that I could have preached on, but I really felt like when we're talking about that scum verse, being the scum of the earth, the, the garbage of the world, I mean, literally in Greek, it's the poop of the earth is literally what it says, like the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And I just really felt like the Lord has something to say about that. And so I'm just going to read these verses. Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But you're not of the world, since I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Um, you know, I'll just read it from, from up here. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, 
As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And so, um, I don't know about you guys, but for a lot of my life, I sought to be, uh, to feel like I fit in, to feel like I had a tribe, a group, a crowd that was my own. Um, I'll give you just a little snippet of my story. Growing up in a home where, with a very rageaholic father, I guess is the best way to say it. And I think if anybody here grew up with a very angry, constantly angry father, you kind of know uh, what that's like. And uh, just as the home was always filled with fear, I spent most of my childhood pretty much completely alone, just locked myself in my room because I didn't want to be around him because um, nothing good was going to come out of that. And so I remember as I got older, as I got into like my tweens and my teens, wanting to find a, a crowd to fit in with, wanting to find friends that I can hang with because my social skills weren't exactly up to par. And um, there was just this keen sense of, man, I just don't want to be rejected. I just don't want to be disliked. I just want somebody to like me, even if I got to fake it till I make it. And, um, and I still remember, uh, I mean, this isn't my proudest moment, my BC days, but I still remember the first time I, I got high. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it because I'm in a circle of dudes. And uh, yeah, I kind of want to fit in. So it's all blaze up. And so I did. And uh, oh, if I get an accent, I'm from Boston. So now you know. Um, and so we all getting high. And I don't know if you guys, it's so easy in the world to just try to get with people, even people that you don't even really care about, that you don't even really know, that you may not even really like, but you just got to find some people somewhere to fit in with so you're not all alone and how painful it is to be all alone. And... Um, and so I'm bringing this up not because I want to talk about my testimony. I'm using it as a little stepping stone of there is a deep core inner longing in all of our hearts as human beings to be loved and accepted for who we are and, and feel like we belong somewhere. And for a lot of us, that's just, man, if I can find anybody who will pay attention to me, who will hang out with me, even if I don't really care about that person. And that's just kind of how the world works. And... Um, and when I look at verses 18 and 19, and Jesus is saying, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. He's not, he's not just talking about our individual desires to be accepted. He's, he's saying, look, you've come to me. You're mine. And now that life, that way, that past that you've come from is going to reject you. I've accepted you, but the past, the people you used to know, the crew that you used to roll with, they will reject you. They won't understand. And he, um, he says, know that they hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. And um, I'm not going to get too deep into word studies, but this word for the world will love you as its own. If we were to scroll back up earlier in the chapter, 
into verse 9, where it says, Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Stay in my love. Two totally separate words. In this version of love down here, the world's love, is the word for friendship love, or at very best, brotherly love. But the love that God's talking about is the unconditional love that comes from God himself. And they're radically different. Because I remember very well, in the world, the love that I got from other people was conditional at best, usually didn't last very long, and I had to keep earning it and to maintain it. And um, I still remember after I became a believer, um, because I went through a period of suicidal ideation, I was just smoking opium all the time and getting high, and um, I became a believer. You You wouldn't believe this looking at me, but... I used to be like a serious like metalhead headbanger. I was like into all the, the death metal, black metal. That was my jam. Um, and so I, roll, I rolled with those guys. And um, you know, if anybody's familiar with that, that's not the scene for anybody to be talking about Jesus or anything even remotely Christian. That's like the exact opposite of that. And um, I remember when I was a, a fresh baby believer, I, um, this woman that led me to the Lord at my work, she gave me a little tiny Gospel of John. And so I tucked it in my work shirt, and uh, I went over to my buddy's house, whose name's also Chris, and we were just going to blaze up and just you know, probably rock out and do whatever, maybe watch a movie or something. And uh, I get in there, I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And he's like, what's that? And I'm like, uh, yeah, so like this woman at my work gave this to me. So he, he looked at it, book of life, flip, 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 looking at it, looks at me, puts it back together, tucks it back in my pocket, grabs my shoulders, spins me around, says, get the F out of my house. I don't want anything to do with you and your F in Jesus. Bye. And that literally just ended our friendship, like, instantly. And it probably didn't help that a couple days earlier I was getting high on weed and started talking about Jesus. But, you know, one thing led to the other and it's like, oh, so this is what it means when it says the world's going to hate me once I start walking into God's love. And Jesus says, but you're not of the world since I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. And really, I want to come with an encouragement, and this might not exactly sound encouraging yet, but trust me, I'm, I'm building my case for encouragement here. As, as Scum of the Earth Church is transitioning, as many of us come from backgrounds where, man, I just I feel like a misfit. And even being here, finding family among each other, finding friendships among each other, and just wanting to be loved and accepted for who we are, the raw, the real, the naked, the beat up, the bruised, the broken, Um, to know the love of the Father, that if anybody else in the world abandons us, Jesus won't. No matter how deep into sin we get, no matter how much of a hypocrite we are, no matter, even if we try to walk away, we'll just end up walking right back into him. And so I want to talk about two tables, and I get this from a man named Terry Wardle. This is not my my original stuff. And... um, if you can imagine a table, hey, how about that? Imagine it's a big table. And imagine this first table, we'll call it the table of the world. 
And the t both of these tables offer you life. There's the table of the world and the table of God. And the table of the world says, if you want a seat, earn it. And your spot in this table is insecure. You have to keep achieving, performing, in order to sit on that table. And as long as you're sitting on that table, you have to keep maintaining. You have to go harder. You have to go further. You have to keep at it. The table of the world will tell you things like this. Money is going to fix all your problems. If you just change who you are, people will love you. If you step on everybody else to climb the ladder, you'll get where you want to get. Things like this. This is the, what the table of the world says to us. It says, come sit. We'll give you life, the life that you've always been looking for. But your spot's not insecure, and you've got to keep fighting for it all the days of your life. The table of the world basically is saying you're never enough, ever. It's basically saying, try harder. You got a problem? My answer to it is just try harder. And it can sometimes look Christian. We can sometimes look at the table of the world and say, oh, well, it's got like cool little Jesus banners around it and some crosses and stuff. And it says, well, just sin less and God will love you more. Well, just try harder at reading your Bible every day. Try harder at praying every day and God will love you more. That's the table of the world. It's a table that we are all so experienced at eating from and drinking from. But then there's another table. It's the table of the Lord. And at this table, Jesus is already sitting down here, and he's kicking a chair open, and he's saying, have a seat. And the only qualifier to sit at the table of the Lord is just trust in him. That's it. The seat is always ours. We're not insecure. If you are on that table and you are with Jesus, your spot is not going to get taken by somebody else who knows the Bible better, who's not addicted to drugs or porn or chemicals. It's not about that. It's about are you in relationship with him? Then sit at the table. And this table says not only that you are enough, but that you're unconditionally loved. In fact, Whenever problems arise and the table of the world would say that you just try harder, the Lord says, rest in my love. And it's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering more and more to me. And you know what? We're going to wander away from the table of the Lord. We are, because we're human. We're going to sit at the table of the Lord. We're going to experience great times with Jesus. We're going to know the love of the Father. We're going to have intimate times of prayer and worship. We're going to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're going to know the practical love of God. And then we're just going to go wander and sit back at the table of the Lord and just try to earn our way to love and success. And then Jesus just stands up from the table and he's like, your spot's still here. You didn't lose it. Come sit with me at my table. And then Jesus says in verse 20, remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. 
If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. And when he says, remember the word I spoke to you, you gotta remember this is all happening in the span of just a couple hours at night. This is during this final Passover meal that Jesus is happening. And Judas has already left to go betray him. But a couple chapters earlier, in John 13, verse 16, he says, and I'll turn there, says the exact same thing. Amen, amen, I tell you, a servant isn't greater than his master, and the one who is sent is not greater than the one who sent him. And this is in response to when Peter didn't want Jesus washing his feet. And Jesus is like, well, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have anything to do with me. You'll have no part in me. And then Peter's like, oh, pfft. in that case, give me a bath, you know? And Jesus trying to say, the servant is not greater than his master. If I serve you, serve others. But he's also saying in chapter 15, if they hate me, they're going to hate you too. However I live, I want you to live. And how people treat me, just know they'll treat you that way as well. But respond to them in the way that I would respond. And then in verse 21, it says, but all these things they will do to you. What things? That's the two things he mentioned. The world will hate you and the world will persecute you. Why? There's a difference between when I'm a moron and a bonehead and I say things and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I was being Chris there. And people are like, wow, I, I don't like that guy too much. That's me needing to work on me and we all have those parts of our lives where we're like, oh, I'm a little rough around the edges. But then there's like, no, I don't care if you misspoke or this or that. I hate you because you're a Christian and I hate everything that has to do with Jesus or God. And this message isn't a message. Jesus isn't trying to say, the world hates you, so fight them and they're our enemies and screw the world. He's just saying, look, it's not all roses and sunshine. I had to go through the hard road to serve God my Father, and so will we. And as the scum of the earth church is transitioning, and as you're looking for a leader, and as each one of us is going through our own stuff in our lives, there is a, there is a, a sacrifice, there is a cross, there is a, a, a road of suck. And there's just no other way to say it. And Jesus went through it and we'll go through it. And he's saying, look, it happened to me, it's going to happen to you. Embrace it. Embrace the suck. There's just no other way for me to say it. And then he says, but all these things they'll do to you for the sake of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. You know, a lot of people that hate Jesus, hate God, they don't know him. It's because usually... Life is throwing a curveball with them. You know, most atheists out there aren't atheists because they spend 20 hours a day studying science and just are like, well, I've done the math and God can't be real. That's usually emotions. It's usually bad stuff has happened. It's usually life has really just dumped on them. And so shaking the fist at God. I know what that's like. That was me throughout my entire teenage years, just getting high as a kite and just screw you, God. If you're real, I hate you. If you're not real, cool. Um, and so he says if I had not come and spoken to them they would have no sin but now they have no excuse for their sin so in these sections he's talking about the day and age that he's in he's in Israel right in this moment he's in Jerusalem he's in that upper room 
having that last supper. And who is he speaking about? Mostly many, not all, of the Pharisees and Sadducees that rejected him, even though they physically, right in front of their faces, saw him perform miracles and do the things that the Messiah was supposed to do. And what he's saying is, man, if I had not come and spoken with them face to face, they wouldn't have this sin of rejecting the Messiah. But now that I've been there, and he says it again, he who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done works among them that no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and have hated both me and my father. So is fulfilled the word written in the scripture, they hated me without a reason. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm, I've proved that I'm not only the Messiah, but I am God in the flesh. And yet many in the world cannot receive it, even even his own people, many could not receive it, although many did accept him as the Messiah. And here's the part that's really stood out to me in history. This phrase, they hated me for no reason, is a quote in two different psalms. But the psalm that really stands out is Psalm 69, verse 5, where King David, this whole psalm is King David talking about being persecuted, and yet... It's an exact representation of everything Jesus went through on the cross, like betrayed by my enemies, sold, um, like a lot, you know, like feeling pierced. And in history, this is so. How many people are familiar with what the Talmud is? Anybody? I know some of you know. So the Talmud was basically a compilation of commentary on the Old Testament, and then the other part of that was commentary on the commentary of the Old Testament. And within it, some of the rabbis speak about some of the things that were happening in those days. And it's literally written down in Tractate Yoma 39b, and then in another place in Tractate Yoma 9, where it says, what happened? Because whenever we would do our Yom Kippur sacrifice, this string of, this cord of red would turn white to let us know that our sin has been taken from us and turned whiter than, than wool. And now the goat that's supposed to bring our sin away keeps coming back to us. And the temple doors keep opening themselves up. And the westward facing candle that's supposed to light forever just keeps going out. Why is this happening? And they said this happened exactly 40 years before Emperor Titus of Rome came and destroyed the temple. Do we know of anything that happened around the year 30 AD? in and around the temple area, the Lamb of God gave his life for the sin of the world. No longer was a temple needed. And then in Tractate Yoma 9b, they say, well, well why, why, why did Titus come and destroy the temple? And then the rabbis heard from God, and they said, this was the divine response, hatred without a cause. So they're like, well, who did we hate without a cause? Well, we know. But that's basically what happened, like literally fulfilled in history is here. And so then the last thing he says, I just really want us to grab a hold of this. When the helper comes, or the advocate, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me and you also testify because you've been with me from the beginning. And these 11 apostles that remain were with them from the beginning of his ministry. But 
I want to take this out of the historical and into our lives. My encouragement, my charge to scum of the earth church, to my brothers and sisters in Christ here, is you may feel hated by the world. You may feel persecuted. You may feel like this is the only place you can come and feel safe. This is the only place where you can come and experience the love of the Lord and friendship and family and feel like you belong. And I know I've spent so many of my BC years feeling like, nope, I don't belong. And even some of my years as a believer in some places feel like, I just don't belong here. You may be in transition. You may feel small and powerless. You may be tempted to quit and just be like, I'm just going to go somewhere else. But you've been chosen out of this world. You're not part of this world system anymore. You're part of God's kingdom. You have a father who loves you. You belong. You have brothers and sisters. You have family. Testify to who Jesus is because your work here in Denver is not done. There's still too many people who are addicted to too many things. There's still too many people who don't know who Jesus really is, who keep getting told by religious people, you can't come in until you've cleaned yourself out. There's still too many people who are broken and dying right on the other end of this wall. And you guys are here for a reason. You are a light. You are a light on a hill. Do not hide it under a bowl. It doesn't matter how much transition you're going through. It doesn't matter how many people come or go. It doesn't matter how little money you have or how much money you have. It doesn't matter what the building looks like. You have a mission. You have a purpose. You have a calling. Keep walking. Don't give up because there's people who need the gospel. There's people who need Jesus, and they need you. They need you in exactly who you are, whether you're a skater, whether you're homeless, whether you're X, Y, Z, it doesn't matter. They need somebody who can come and speak it in their language, who understands them, who can be Jesus with skin to them. And this is my charge to you, scum of the earth church. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going. Fight the good fight. In Jesus' name, amen.